Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. That one you levicated to all the bicycle riders seen. Bicycle rider, bicycle rider. Bike rider, my other bike rider. Bike rider, my other bike rider. Trust me, riding a bike is better. Good morning and welcome to this week's edition of the Arabasco Users Group radio program for Monday, the 6th of July 2015. And thank you to Democracy Now! for the last hour of current affairs. And especially that uh, Seeger uh, special, which is lovely to hear his voice. So you'll listen to Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio Show about cycling and related transport issues from broadcasting from Melbourne, Australia. And uh, if you're indeed in Melbourne, you would have noticed it's a bit damp and soggy this morning. But it's clearing up towards or going out towards the west. So hang your clothes up somewhere, you know, nice and... Uh, bright or light or whatever or airy so you can have a nice ride home tonight and not be too soggy it was a little bit uh yeah and also it's been really 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 cold of late too so you know don't forget to you know eat well and um, also have a nice warm cup after you've had a ride into work or wherever you're going so yeah on today's program we're going to be talking to Injira from La Vache de Tour you know that's time of year when everyone gets an instant liking for pro cycling you know you don't really follow it the rest of the year and all of a sudden you're instantly um you know transfixed by this amazing spectacle on tv we'll be talking to endure about the other thing about the tour which is the unsung heroes of the tour de france that's right the cows and um, we'll be uh, chatting about um, all the things you do when you're pretending to watch a cycling race with magnificent scenery and the drama and the pathos of pro cycling plus you know cheese all manner of things and oh you know tour de snack field art and all those kind of transitory things which make sitting up late at night a lot of fun if you're sitting there on social media and Twitter and Facebook and all the rest of it. Anyway, interesting bit of news. We'll actually say it's an opinion article and it was written by Senator Janet Rice. It's a pretty damn good article, actually. um, She makes numerous good points in a far-ranging article which appeared in one of the green magazines. This is available online as well. It's a far-ranging article about cycling, health, gender, infrastructure, public transport and... Importantly, road user attitudes. And it's uh, interesting to note in that article, well, not in the actual article, but um, from my perspective, the you know, the need for uh, federal funding for cycling. Well, from my perspective and from what I know, I take it on a question of notice. On notice, with The only direct federal government funding investment towards cycling, which was the National Bike Pass Program, was way back in 2009. And we really haven't had anything since. And we've got a very ideologically uh, riven or driven regime in Canberra at the moment, which, which doesn't really see kind of these nuanced things like uh, cycling for transport or sustainable transport and a preference for roads over public transport. But in this article, we're just kind of uh, going off 
topic there a little bit, but it's not a question where Australia's lost momentum for sustainable transport initiatives and incentives in comparison, from my perspective again, it appears Australian public policymakers are really ignorant because you've got things like happening in Sydney with the removal of the, um, or proposed removal of the College Street cycleways, which go back a few weeks ago, interviewed David Barella about this from his president of Bike Sydney. And every Friday, if you're in Sydney, they're having uh, protest rides up there to try and stop this from happening. Book into that is this week in Melbourne. We should have the Wellington Street on road Copenhagen lanes, and I say that in inverted commas, completed here in Fitzroy or was it Collingwood's road on the cusp? I should say Collingwood. Someone's going to bludgeon me for getting my um, suburb norms wrong. But that will be completed and open this week, hopefully, when the sheeting and the uh, infrastructure is finished. So, how's that for a book in? We're putting bike lanes or off road or should say uh, separator facilities in in Melbourne and in um, Sydney. They're taking them out because, I don't know, it's pretty garbled what's going on with the New South Wales government and, again, with any government of a certain persuasion of pushing unsustainable projects. Okay, but to the actual article itself with Senator Janet Rice, uh, there's one bit I just want to pull out of that and I'm just scrolling down. In Melbourne, we have successfully knocked over the 18 billion east-west link. This was going to be a huge amount of money to be spent on a massive polluting tollway, which have only increased congestion and done nothing for people's health. A turn delivery, the same amount of money, could produce or provide 18,000 kilometres of shared paths for riders and pedestrians. Imagine the world that would make. Well, you could say that's utopian, but this is the sort of things when you start doing a little bit of, you know, basic number crunching, what we could get, but what we can't have because we've got policymakers in this country who are pretty, um, again, as I said earlier, ideologically driven. Anyway, I'm going to take a quick break and we should be back with Injira from La Vache de Tour. Now listen, the annual Green Left Weekly comedy debate is back again for 2015. Two crack teams will debate the proposition that Tony Abbott is the root of all evil. Featuring Kirsty Mack, LEMC, the Minister for Un-Australian Affairs, Morveen Smith, Evan Thompson and Simon Crick, it's a titanic struggle for global comic debating supremacy. Refereed by me! Uh, Rod Quantock, I remembered. Friday, 24th of July at the Brunswick Town Hall, dinner and bar from 6.30, comedy at 8pm. For bookings, phone 96398622. I'll read that again, but backwards. 22689369. Supporting the radical news source, Green Left Weekly. It's the best comedy debate in the world. See you there. Are you there in Jira? Bonjour. Good to hear your voice. <laughs> I think we've got a few friends here. Just a moment. 
Oh, that's a nice sound for an drizzly morning. <laughs> okay, so I think it's enough of them. Okay, we're talking to Indira from La Vache de Tour, and we've spoken to a few to you a few times over the years. Do you want to give people a little bit of background history to La Tour? Well, not the whole full history of it, but <laughs> why cows? Why cows? Well, it's all Paul Sherwin's fault. I think the tour is a little bit like a long road trip, and sometimes you need something to divert yourself. So, you know, back in the day before we had DVDs in the back seat, we used to play Spotto. And um, one year, I think it was about six years ago, we were watching the tour, chatting on Twitter, and Paul Sherwin went into this really elaborate story about the local cattle, and it just seemed like such a giggle that he had such a wealth of information about these local cows that um, just seemed to take off from there. Wonder what cows he's going to see tomorrow? What cows will he see on Friday? Um, and it wasn't until a couple of years ago that I found out that uh, one of the guys who did the research for Paul Sherwin that year had included all that information and really didn't think that they'd use it. So he was quite surprised that not only did he use it, but it sparked this whole um, cow obsession with a subculture of uh, tour followers. Yeah, because I've got to admit, Paul Sherwin does go quite tangential. It's not just the cows, is it? Oh, look, it's probably just as well for the whole world that uh, he wasn't talking about the ports of Rotterdam at the time because I don't mm. think that would be quite as uh, an engaging... Um, spot. <laughs> but you get things like um, the, 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 the landscape of France and the bordering countries and chateaus. Oh, yeah. Water features. Uh, um, amusing things happening in the background, which there is never no, no end of with the Tour de France. <laughs> so a bit of a recap on last night. I, you know, I went to bed a little bit early so I could go and come and do this. But um, last night, can we give her a bit of a thing of uh, stage two? Well, it was an incredibly flat stage. I noted on the um, stage preview map that uh, it started at four metres above sea level and finished at about six metres above sea level, or actually finished at sea level. So there wasn't any climbing at all, but the um, the way the course had been structured was so that there would be a possibility of some brutal winds splitting the group, which is exactly what happened. Um, and a couple of the favourites were stuck in the back group, so they've lost a couple of minutes over the um, the leaders. So we've got Froome and Contador, who finished really nicely at the uh, the front of the race, and um, Nibley and Quintana, who were stuck around about a minute behind. And so they're both now a couple of minutes behind the leaders when you take the um, time trial into consideration. Mm. We had a nice little sprint finish. Um, Cavendish's team set him up a little bit too early, according to him, and um, he's had a bit of a dummy spit this morning. Heard about that. Cav's pretty good at um, throwing the dummy spit, isn't he? He's, look, in another life, I think he'd probably be a good tennis player. Yes, or either that or play um, football, or (laughs) soccer here, um, or football overseas. Yeah. But um, the first uh, stage, um, I don't know, I, I, I don't really like um, time trial. Well, especially a short time trial, and I think I got really frustrated over the course of the time trial, 13.8 kilometres, too long for a prologue, but mm. not really long enough to test the, the true time trialists. Yeah. But still, the, the guys who are renowned for doing the, um, the hard yards over the time trial... Um, Cancellara, Tony Martin, they had a good crack, but um, Rowan Dennis... Rowan Dennis. Rowan Dennis sat in that hot, hot, hot seat, or as uh, Phil and Paul were talking about, at the edge of the barbecue, for a good well, 100 and 
60 riders. Because you didn't realise quite what a mad time he had till three oh. quarters through. You didn't realise what a, oh, okay, I won't use that expression on here, but what a very fast <laughs> ride that he did. Uh, this is a, this is Australian, everyone, he's Australian rider, <laughs> first stage in yellow. Yeah, and a record time. It was. It, it did start um, filtering through Twitter that it was a record time for the Tour de France. And you know, I sort of saw that tweet go by and thought, yeah. And then a couple more verifications of it. And then it was like, that really was fast. It was real. Oh, I won't say that. But <laughs> um, the thing to keep in mind too, the first stage, it brings out those ephemeral fleeting moments on the Tour when we're, you know, got a bit, we're, talking, we're talking about the medium or the platform, which is, Twitter. We are. Um, when everyone goes nuts, when um, the two main commentators, if, if someone's coming into this, um, f- oh God, my brain's just going, uh, Paul Sherwin and Phil Liggett go off on these tangential moments. Now, I keep saying tangential instead of surreal, but um, the surreal edge of the barbecue. Work, <laughs> the edge. Australians, we were apparently all watching after Rowan Dennis's ride, we were watching the rest of the time travel sitting on the edges of our barbecues. Yeah. That's not a really good place to be. I was thinking, you know, one foot away from a barbecue <laughs> that I'll set to give you, um, you know, radial burns or something. <laughs> but, yeah, they come out with these amazing things and everyone just erupts. <laughs> and it was like last night, I think, you know, when the first sighting of the cows rocked up and someone just posted a picture of an iPhone erupting into flame because that's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> It's almost expected now. As soon as Paul Sherwin or Phil Liggett says pilot fish or um, suitcase of courage, actually, I don't even know whether they've said suitcase of courage over the last couple of years. It's just that I've seen it so often because that's what we're expecting. It's more about the mountain stage when the suitcase comes out. True. I don't think it'd go down too well in Australia trying to get through our borders at the moment. The suitcase (laughs) would probably be... Yeah, Scott Scott Morrison and I'd have a few words to say about that. Did you pack that suitcase of courage yourself? Mm, did you? Yes. But um, we did have a few interesting moments there last night. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the rain was pretty pretty horrific, but it did clear up towards the end, did it? Yeah, it did. And um, it was a, a point at which all the journalists who were at the finish were all saying, oh, it's, you know, it's terrible, it's windy, it's rainy. But that moved in, obviously, in, either in or up to where the peloton was. But there was talk at one stage of the, the finish being neutralised, that the weather was so bad there, and then it cleared up and, and we had a nice, fairly safe run in, so that was good. would have been fairly distressing for them to um, do that whole five hours in the saddle only to have it neutralised. Because it was going to finish on a bridge in uh, Zealand. It did. Um, and, in fact, I really wish I'd been paying more attention because Paul Sherwin did mention exactly how heavy that bridge was because that's the kind of information you're tuning mm, for. Mm, they're big on infrastructure, the, the um, P&P. They really are, aren't they? Um, and there were lots and lots of wind farms last night, which was provoking a lot of comments on Twitter. It about got highly that. political. I think I actually saw um, the Ozpol poll t- hashtag alongside um, SBS TDF and I thought that's a real crossover. <laughs> <laughs> the, the streams are crossing. Ooh, don't do that. <laughs> Not especially with Ozpol. But, yeah, and um, I've got to admit, last night was a fabulous stage for Lavache. Oh, yes. What uh, what uh, kilometre did they rock up at? Look, I can't remember because I was cooking my keys at the time. Oh, God. I know. Look, I, I think it's almost guaranteed that as soon as I go off to do something else mm. um, and the, the thing will erupt. But um, it was mentioned and... Paul Sherwin actually described them as brown and white Holstons, which was a bit annoying. 
Um, they were probably Holstons. They may have been some brown and whites in there, but they're generally black and white. We just called brown cows. Little brown cows. Yeah. But yeah, that was um, it was a good sighting. And we had been promised there is um, a Team Vush member who is in the area, and she had promised the previous stage that we would see cows. And I was reluctant to offer people a guarantee, but she was right. See, they were there. They were there. But the the beauty of the stages is, and and, and with the, you have a, a blog called Lavashti Tour, that you for each stage you give the chances of seeing Vash and matching food and cheese. And this is a high watermark, I think, in, in <laughs> sport uh, journalism, where you have that crossover. And then last night it was Gouda. Yes. Or as I've seen the pronunciation guidelines, Howder. Okay. I Look, I don't say it like that myself. I do go with the Gouda, but mm. uh, Wikipedia was saying that the Dutch liked it. Holder, holder. They've got the hard H's, don't they? Mm. But um, I look, I've always thought of it as being quite a boring cheese and mm. I felt like I was almost damning it with faint praise when I had some aged cheese last night and I was surprised. It was delicious. We had something a couple of nights ago, I think it was a smoked Gouda. Oh, nice, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, I'm not, a, I'm not a foodie type person. I just seem to think there's lots of it and tastes good. That's my, <laughs> my thing for food. But, yeah, um, kind of future stages. What could we look forward to that is absolutely awesome? Well, it depends on if you really like a good, stinky cheese, um, the stage for you is going to be stage seven. Now, Gabrielle Gattay in that stage is doing a veal casserole, which, you know, good on him. It's it's part of a cow. But there is it's the name of the town that is uh, either the start or the finish, I can't remember, is Livaro, which is a really amazing stinky cheese, which um, put it in a fridge at a motel and they'll hate you forever. Is that the one that's got kind of reeds wrapped around the rind? Yes, yes. that's the one. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's our stage seven cheese. Stage, the Alpine stages are, of course, perfect. Mm. For cheeses, we've got the Gruyères and the Beauforts and the mm. Reblochons and all of those things that are also featuring heavily in recipes with potatoes, potatoes and cheese. Very Can't serious end of the cheese world. Serious end of the cheese world. Now, Gabriel Gatte did also promise that he would be looking at um, Roche, uh, Roquefort. <gasps> Thank you. Which, for the probably more of interest to the uh, Mouton than the Vache? Yes, we, there was a bit of a latecomer last night in the, the, the tour thing, the, the um, Les de Moutons or something. Yeah. There was a, another mob call turned up about sheep. They did indeed. And they, they look, the sheep gave it a bit of a crack last night, I've they got to did. say. There were quite a few sheep sightings, more sheep sightings than, than cow sightings, mm. and including a sheep in a yellow jersey. <laughs> so, I, look, I'm Ooh. a bit sceptical about these sheep. I don't know whether they've uh, got the best interests of the um, Peloton cohesiveness in mind, but they're giving it a good crack. They're being lone sheep. And I also, because I always think of the riders in terms of, you know, which ones have cow names, and, of course, the best cow name in the Peloton at the moment is Michael Kwiatkowski, yes. otherwise known as the cow that won't quit. Um, I haven't thought about riders in terms of sheep names at all. So, oh, Well, last year was a big year for sheep in, in um, Yorkshire. There was sheep course. everywhere. They had uh, yellow sheep. They had entire flocks they did, yeah. with uh, yellow food colouring on them. Yes, that's right. But um, I've got to admit, I do like the pairing of cycling and food because this is something that always does, is that little jarring, well, actually a very jarring note I find a little tour is that it is a sausage fest, to be quite honest. <laughs> and... <laughs> 
there was, you know, look, there, I could do there's something I wanted to do for years on Yarrabug was to do, or Yarrabug Radio, to do a show on what has happened to the, the female tour. The, you know, there was 70s and 80s. And then yeah. last year we had La Corse at the final stage, you know, the women's right. And there's not a lot of women's participation. It is indeed a sausage fest. So I think we can cancel that out with a bit of cheese and scenery. <laughs> That's right. And especially some of the behaviour. See, um, I didn't have much interest in the Giro this year because of, well, we'll probably come to the fore later in the tour, why I don't have much interest in certain riders. Ah, yes. I'm a bit biased. It's like footy. It's, uh, well, it's also because it's sometimes hard to come at why there are, there are definitely the riders that people love to hate and love to love. Yeah. But then there are riders that, I was thinking about it last night, there was somebody on Twitter who really doesn't like Quintana, and I thought... Quintana? He's lovely. And that really surprised me because with some of them I sort of like, look, I know there are people who are passionately against Christopher Froome. I don't really understand why because he seems like a fairly, I don't know, okay kind of guy and I wonder if it's this anti-sky thing and that efficiency is just not that sexy. But I I get that people don't like Christopher Froome for whatever reason. Froome dog, yes. Quintana? Yeah, I don't know. People just like footy. I said, yeah, people just get these sets. <laughs> yeah, I don't like them. But um, there's a whole range of things coming up. I mean, you know, because uh, SBS actually put out the official hashtags as Troll DJ. Yes. Which for the listener, can you explain Troll DJ very precisely? Well, Troll DJ, when they come in from an ad break, there is somebody at SBS who is able to just choose exactly the right song to go with a little quick package of what might have happened so far in the stage. And it was in Le Vash's first year that one of Team Vash, whose name I think was Catherine, came up, coined the hashtag Troll DJ, and it really took off. And so people started getting involved with identifying the song that Troll DJ was playing, and, and it's become a thing. And Troll DJ that year put together our favourite package of all time, which was cows with guns. Everyone goes mad. And everybody goes, and that has been a standard every year since then. And the Muppets. People start calling for it, especially in the stages that are just a little less interesting. People will be saying, bring us cows with guns, cows with guns. It's like, yes, we want an ad break so we can have cows with guns. Those long, long, boring stages, everyone just goes a little bit spared, aren't they? (laughs) We'll just sit there, start posting pictures of your cats and um, who's got it in for Gabriel Gatay this year, whose hashtag is butter. Yes. That's a a masterstroke, isn't it? It is. I mean... I think, was it last year that was Buttergate, where he was very, very stingy with the butter? He was, he was. Um, this year I did a little bit of an audit of the recipes that he's put together, and he seems to be making sure there's a bit of butter in everything. So that was good to see. I haven't caught uh, Gabriel this year, but he's been a mainstay for, what, well over a decade? Oh, yeah. It wouldn't be the tour without him. Yeah, I know. There was a couple of people going back years ago who had a bit of a set against Gabriel because, you know, they thought that the, the accent was getting thicker and coarser <laughs> every year. But, look, I, I think they're just minor details. <laughs> but um, we, we've got an Alpe d'Azur this year. Sorry? We've got an Alpe d'Azur. We've yes, got a couple Alpe of big... d'Azur is coming up. Alpe d'Azur, the, sorry. I think it's a penultimate stage. Ooh. So that's leaving it till, you know, the business end. Um they're only when I say they're only going up at once. <laughs> we well, were spoiled. Only go up at once. We were spoiled a couple of years ago when they went up twice. Oh. But um, yes, they're going up. They're going up. I'm pretty sure it is the uh, yeah stage twenty. 
really puts Rucker's Hill in perspective, doesn't it? <laughs> Our local hill we call the uh, Cold Arden Street, which is... No, just... <laughs> Arden Street's a bit of a cracker, isn't it? You know, you try to do that first thing in the morning, you're like, oh, that hurts. I find it's worse at the end of my ride. It's like, oh. it's a very, very gentle little slope and it's like, oh, really? So, yeah, and again, if, if you have absolutely no interest in cycling whatsoever, but um, the mountain stages... Oh, the mountain stages are hilarious. I mean, that's when the fans, the roadside fans, really come to the fore um, in their costumes, um, their mankinis, yes. running alongside the riders, crushing in, getting knocked over when they're taking selfies with a peloton flying up behind them. It's, yeah, it's a real party. Yeah, and it's kind of... Um uh, commercial ventures trying to get a bit of free advertising. Was it um, clean, <laughs> clean, clean Bottle? Clean Bottle Man. Clean Bottle Man. He's and, been a bit of a fixture too. Yeah, there's no more Diddy, no more Devil because he's uh, retired. Oh. It's a bit sad. And, yeah, it's just, you know, like, you know, Dutch Corner. Yeah, well, the, um, there's a English Corner. The um, They've got a Twitter account there called the Beef Eaters or something. They're mm. promoting their little part of Alp Duez. Dutch Corner, very noisy. We were opposite, when we went on the Alp, we were opposite um, a lovely bunch of people from Luxembourg and it, we didn't wander down to Dutch Corner because we, we just felt so safe with our lovely Luxembourg people who had their chance on the Schleck, on the Schleck. <laughs> this is when we had the Schlecks. This is when we had the Schlecks. Brothers, yes. Ah, uh, good times. Good, good times. times. <laughs> but... um. Okay, in a couple of minutes we've got left, uh, what will be your tour highlights coming up? Cow-wise? Yes, cows. There is a stage where they are going into Brittany, stage eight. They're heading towards the area of the the black-pied Breton cow, which we have never seen. There are not many of them. It would just be, it would be a personal highlight if we spotted a Breton black pied cow in stage eight. Tonight we might see some Belgian blues, really big cows. Oh, they're massive. They're, they're double muscled. Yeah. Massive. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I guess I'm looking forward to getting stuck into my beef and Belgian ale casserole tonight mm-hmm. um, and hoping that Valverde continues to have a bit of a shocker. Yeah, um I'm not particularly fond of him. But anyway, um, so your website, if people want to quickly go and look at your stage things, because you also have um, email updates as well. We do indeed. Um, www.levashdutour, which is L-E-S-V-A-C-H-E-S-D-U-T-O-U-R.com. Excellent. It's been an absolute pleasure, Indura. Always lovely to talk. And we'll probably chat tonight um, via the Cyber Superhighway <laughs> Twitter thing. And... Um, Yeah, next three weeks of absolutely no sleep. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. He's a death cult. Nothing but a death cult. Islamist death cult. The Islamist death cult. Have a look at Islam in Australia. Death cult. All these mosques being built. This is a death cult. To use this term is to dignify a death cult. These are the two enemies we're fighting. The communist left and Islam. Because the two... Are hand in hand. You mean Abbott and Reclaim Australia's anti-Muslim racism go hand in hand. 
Yeah, and do you know that Reclaim Australia and the United Patriots Front are organising an anti-Muslim rally on Saturday the 18th of July at Parliament House, Melbourne? That's why the campaign against racism and fascism is organising a counter-rally. We're meeting at Parliament House at 10 o'clock so we can get there first, take the steps first and show them that their anti-Muslim hate speech is not welcome in Melbourne or anywhere around Australia, not now, not ever. If you want updates on the campaign, text subscribe to 0422726843 to join the updates list. The campaign against racism and fascism is a 3CR supporter. And you're back listening to Yarrabug Radio on Community Radio 3CR 855am and digital and quick bit of news. I believe that the Wellington Street, turn that down, Wellington Street separated uh, lanes will be open this week. So get down there and have a bit of a look. Anyway, that's all we've got time for this week. Next week we should have either Faith, Fail or both of them in the studio. And um, don't forget, Radiothon, subscribe and pledge to um, to Yarrabug Radio. And um, I'll see you in about a fortnight. Up next, we'll have Dirt Radio. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.